Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their pop culture origins to their current inceptions. I got that backwards, but that's okay. <laughs> that's how we roll. <laughs> that's how we do here. And and as you can hear, it's already going to be a guest episode. This is a special guest episode. We have two returning guests and one new guest, and I will be the only main host um, for the show. My name is Dave, and... One of our returning guests is Jala. Hello. And we have Desiree is back. Hello. And John will be with us today. Hello. We're um we're all going to be taking a look at the in, the entirety of the Riddick franchise. So the original 2000 Pitch Black film up to the last um Riddick 2014? 2013. 2013. The years just fly by. <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between, including a little bit of the video games, the motion web comics, and little TV spots they did um, for the release of the films. Jala, how, what was your <laughs> start of this film? When were you introduced to these? It's kind of funny. I was working at a video store when Pitch Black originally came out, and because everybody was talking about it, I steadfastly refused to watch it. Also, everybody was kind of mixed on it. They were either, oh, I love this movie, it was great, or they were just, you know, dead set against it. This is not a great movie, because I think everybody thought it was going to be more of a horror movie, and it's not. Um, anyway, I don't know when I decided to actually watch Pitch Black, but eventually it happened um, after that in Chronicles of Riddick had already been out for a while. So that would have been after 2004, probably around um, 2007, 2008 or so is maybe when I hopped on, um, because I did watch the third movie in the theaters when that came out. So... That was my original introduction to it. it. Was sometime in there, I was just like, you know, I totally missed this entire thing. I should probably just see what it's about. And and, and it definitely is an entire thing. There's, as we will discuss, a lot going on with Rid the Riddick verse. Uh, Desiree, how about yourself? I'm fairly certain this was the first time I've seen any of the movies. However, having aphantasia, not being able to make pictures in my head, that leads me to having a horrible memory for most things. So it's entirely possible that I saw it, you know, on TV or maybe at a friend's house. But um, if I have seen it before, it didn't make a super strong impression. Well, that's all right. And then let, uh, let us watch all this with fresh eyes. Um uh, as the the release of these films were so staggered that uh, it, it benefited, I think, to watch them all in one go and just get everything confused. <laughs> and how about yourself, John? Uh, pretty sure that I saw Pitch Black on DVD at a friend's house. Uh, I remember seeing it kind of in the in the same same session as like Equilibrium and a couple other like early DVD era releases. Uh, just like high school, early college for me. So, okay, yeah, that sounds about um, how I ran across them as well. I was I was also working at a video store when this released, and I, I caught it in the theater. I believe I ended up watching this more than once in the theater. I really enjoyed um, what Pitch Black, like the, the the concept of it, and 
what it was bringing to the screen initially. Um, on rewatch, however, some of those impressions, I think, changed just based on the uh, later entries in the series and the budgets, maybe. The budgets in cinematography is definitely very visible um, in Pitch Black as in, uh, in contrast to the later films. So... Looking at these is we're going to just do a, a big overview of the franchise uh, and then pick apart some of the interesting bits um, rather than doing a, a breakdown movie by movie or book by book. Uh, that, that goes, I think, beyond the scope of our time constraints um, and and interest, really. There's, there's not so much meat to these bones that they need to be picked that clean. There are a lot of reused elements. If something was interesting or good, they tried to recycle it, um, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't um, in any franchise that they try to do that. Uh, so that was definitely um, one bit. But yeah, like the world building and everything of the Riddick universe is feels like it's almost completely geared around the Riddick character. And that makes sense because, uh, like Dave said, it kind of feels like when David Tui was directing Pitch Black, he and Vin Diesel came up with this Riddick character, and they had a lot of fun with Riddick in that movie. Um, it was very fun, very playful, very interesting the way that they uh, present him there but they fell in love with the character and the idea of the character quickly retconned everything that they had um, said about Riddick in the novelization of Pitch Black and in the prequel to Pitch Black and in the actual Pitch Black movie. They retconned all that stuff and changed it to uh, fit a new world that they built around the character. For example, at first in the Pitch Black movie, Riddick is just a human being. In the novelization, he used to be like a space ranger or something. That's where he gets all of his abilities and stuff is because he actually was a um, straight man, a lawman, and all of his fellow ranger folks were doing bad things, and he got to be the fall guy for that. He tried to wh whistleblow on them and ended up being the fall guy and going to prison framed for things that he did not do. Uh, and that kind of also explains why he does not want to hurt women or children, and he will do bad things to anyone who tries to do bad things to women or children around him, or follow him when he doesn't want to be followed. You know, that kind of a thing. Um, he's not picking fights. He's not killing people for pleasure. He is just strictly, you know, trying to live his dang life, and nobody will let him. So, but... He was a human. Originally, they said he was found in a dumpster strangled with his own umbilical cord in the back of a liquor store. Then they changed that to, no, he's actually one of the four elder races, the Furian race, who are magical animal people um, who evolved from humans because they lived on a world that was very rough and difficult. And so they just evolved over time to be superhumans. And he's one of the only surviving Furians, and he was, in fact, strangled with his umbilical cord and somehow survived, you know, this whole invasion by necromongers who are another of these races. And, like, it just kind of builds, but it starts with this kernel of Riddick the character and how can we explain stuff and, you know, give him room to do new things, new avenues that are not just 
hey, he's a dude. So. He's a dude that doesn't like prison. He doesn't like prison. He wants to just be left alone and nobody will leave him alone. Everybody's scared of him, but everybody wants to be around him. It's just the money. It's just the money. It's so relatable. (laughs) Of course. Um, Yeah, and one of the other many things that they decided to kind of go back on is um, Riddick as a character is his one of his iconic attributes is that he has the eye shine where he can see in the dark um, and bright lights or the sun will kind of blind him and put him in a theoretical disadvantage it usually isn't much of one and originally that is sort of put in as a plot seed for other characters to uh, want to like gain that same thing because if they figure oh if i have that one advantage i can be also cool like riddick uh and that's that's given as a um it was not really a, a punishment but he was in prison and through one of the questionable prison doctors was able to um, pay them off and get uh, that that operation done on him they decided to change that in the chronicles of riddick and go oh no it's or not not even the chronicles of riddick it's in the um escape from butcher's bay mm-hmm. uh 2004 video game mm-hmm. and yeah down in the depths so that part's consistent of the prison uh he is magicked a, a magical uh, a, a magical <laughs> woman speaks to him and tells him that he has been blind for too long and then gives him an eye shine and we are supposed to believe that this is Shira who is a female furian who speaks to him in the chronicles of riddick also came out in 2004 and gives him magical powers that time by putting her hand on his chest and marking him with the wrath of the furians which gives him i don't know lots of special abilities that he can like he basically unleashes the anger and the pain and the frustration of the Furian race who was completely felled by the necromongers who were invading and he can unleash that back on people uh as i guess like a force attack or some sort yeah it's a limit break that just speeds him up and sends like a big shockwave out mm-hmm. it's i think it does other stuff too it's it's one of those like sort of MacGuffin doesn't yeah, we really don't, matter. Yeah, we don't really <laughs> know what any of the Furians are actually capable of. And to be honest, um, like necromongers, you're not really 100% sure what a necromonger, a standard necromonger is capable of because the Lord Marshal, the holy half-dead, uh, has the ability to send his soul out and then zoop his body afterwards, which is kind of cool. And anyway, like they're part of the elder elder races. There's also the elementals, who liked Plato so much and did math so much that they turned into magical beings um, that can calculate everything in the universe and are seers. So, and they have a planet somewhere that they live on. And we don't know what the fourth magical you know, race is, but there are no sentient alien races. There are a lot of animal races and other kind of alien critters that are not particularly animalistic um, that are out there, but there's not you know, uh, kind of like a Star Wars or Star Trek kind of feel where you've got, you know, evolved cultures and things like that. There's cultures, but they all came from humans and humans evolved 
into all these different things, you're never really given a clear picture of where, like, where, where in time did this occur? Because the, some places have kind of primitive tech that doesn't look super advanced, but there's been enough time passing that they have evolved into four elder races, as they're called, and all of that. So it's it's kind of interesting because you don't really have a, a time and space to fit it. No, and, and it doesn't make quite for like tonal whiplash, but there's definitely uh, each iteration in the franchise feels like its own thing, uh, just also starring Riddick. Uh, they don't feel quite as cohesive as they might mostly because the art direction's all over the place. Uh, and that that's kind of, it's intriguing. Like, I like what it's doing with that, but at the same time, this isn't a thing where you could just turn on one of the movies and go, oh, this must be a Riddick movie if Riddick's not on screen. Whereas if it's, a, like, say, Star Wars or Star Trek, you can immediately identify, oh, that's what this is probably in just because of the costuming or something that's just a, a, a run through the whole franchise. So Desiree, having watched these all pretty much for the first time, all in one go, uh, what are your thoughts on like that angle of, of this keep sort of reinventing itself with each um, franchise entry? Yeah. So I think, you know, I do agree with that idea of there is no cohesive piece of this that you can the costuming indicates this is a riddick movie or like you said anything other than vin diesel being on screen could make you instantly be able to identify that to me it kind of felt like with the first movie maybe they were just doing something fun that they didn't necessarily anticipate would turn into a franchisable type of movie and so then when it was as popular as it was and allowed for continuation of the story of Riddick it was oh crap well now we have to figure out how to develop some of this lore and build out this world and perhaps do some more uh, folklore mythology those types of things that maybe maybe they had anticipated that and planned out but with that continued reiteration across the different movies seems more like they were just playing with things and going with what felt cool and interesting in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that that's, it's a both, it's a strong point because it makes everything feel fresh each time until they inevitably retread on a, a point that they kind of just liked to do before. So they're just sort of doing it again. Uh, but otherwise, it, it's even though um, we can look and see that the, the scripts were all worked on by David Tui and um, Vin Diesel, uh, that's the only like cohesive piece. It feels like each thing m maybe was in an anthology and it's like a, a different director's take on this universe is what it feels like when you're sort of getting into these and, and um, watching them. Or even reading the novelizations, the, the first novel is mostly beat for beat, the, the pitch black film, 
but um it feels like when you're reading it that it's that when the author was writing it he maybe had like a first a, like a first run script and not like what they were going to do in the movie so he adds in a lot of characterizations and a lot of sort of background um internal monologue and things that that fleshes the characters out that you don't get in the movie so it's filling in some of the universe but all of it ends up being retconned out by either the film or the second movie so it it makes it harder to like feel like you can be invested as um as a viewer like in this in this uh, this universe because nothing's static enough John, how do you feel about that? Well, um, you you brought up the retconning of like kind of they, they wanted to go one way with it and then um, sort of pivoted to a different backstory because they wanted sort of more um, destiny, more more chosen one kind of uh, uh, kind of an angle to take on it, um, complete with like mystical you know, seer that, that provides the path to, 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 for, for Riddick to fully actualize, uh, you know, and, and realize, uh, his true, true path. I think you're right that the tone differences, uh, I mean, it's even like you, you pointed out with, with Star Wars, like that has certain costume things, sure, uh, effects things. It has, uh, down to like those star wipes or the side wipes, like, literal elements to the way those are shot and edited that um, even you'll see, uh, you know, currently with the, the Boba Fett and Mandalorian shows that Disney plus airs currently, like they continue those editing traditions to kind of make sure you understand just viewing this, this is a star Wars thing. Riddick kind of doesn't necessarily have that. Like the first movie is so, pitch black like it's so dark and um you know they have that light and dark contrast in a lot of the shots whereas uh you know for for contrast the most recent film it's it's very um you know he starts off in that that desert planet it's very very uh orange very yellow harsh light um to kind of communicate that wasteland sort of atmosphere so they're doing they're doing different things with each movie and it it is impressive um, I'm just not sure if it is uh, makes for a cohesive whole from start from one to the next. It does, though, make it potentially easy for someone to enter into just one film in the series, sure, and not feel like they're missing out on any huge backlog, right. you know, as opposed to Star Wars, where maybe people feel like they can't hop yeah. in with the Mandalorian or Boba Fett because they're missing so much of the history. Whereas with Riddick, you know, maybe you didn't see Chronicles of Riddick, but you want to jump in with the new movie. Yeah. You can piece together most of it and still have a good time. Exactly. Yeah. And I did double check and David Tui was the director for Pitch Black Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick, the 2013 movie. He did not direct the Into Pitch Black spot that with TV spot that was done on the Sci-Fi Channel when that movie came out. Nor did he direct the um, Chronicles of Riddick: Dark Fury, which is the 1.5 animated film that's done with the Aeon Flux art 
uh, in between Pitch Black and Chronicles to kind of explain and bridge that gap and and kind of talk about why Riddick dropped off uh, Imam and Jack on, you know, um, Helium Prime and then just deuced out. And um, anyway, so he did direct them, but Chronicles of Riddick was shot four years after Pitch Black, but I feel like Pitch Black, they were trying to make it more of like a, a horror kind of feel, even though it's not a horror movie. And with Chronicles of Riddick, they made it into a space opera, and that calls for a different type of art style for that. And then Riddick 2013 is more similar to the Pitch Black way of directing and with the strong color, you know, filters and things over everything, because Pitch Black had lots and lots of oranges and blues uh, strewn over everything. Just going back and watching, it's like, wow, I didn't realize how strong those filters were until I went back and looked at it again. Um, But, you know, it has some similar directing. I would say that Riddick and Pitch Black probably have a closer style Chronicles of Riddick was doing so much more and expanded stuff so far. It wasn't Riddick on a desert planet trying to get off the planet. Here's some critters that come to the surface and go crazy. That happens in both of those two movies, Pitch Black and Riddick. You know, it's the same theme. The mud demons from the Riddick movie are basically a reworking of the Bioraptors from Pitch Black. Uh, I do not believe that they are as successful as the Bioraptors from Pitch Black, which those guys ended up influencing several different other monster designs for other uh, pieces of fiction. Uh, and I think they were more engaging than the mud demons were overall. Um, anyway, it's still a reused, recycled kind of concept because the Bioraptors um, were critters that live under the ground and they are sensitive to light. So when suddenly there's an eclipse on the planet, then they all come to the surface and have a big feeding like locusts. And there's nothing on this planet, so I don't know why they turn into, you know, um, killing each other and eating each other. There's nothing to eat other than each other. I don't know what they're eating underground, but whatever. We're not thinking about that too much. <laughs> How's their life cycle? Yeah. <laughs> they eat each other, now they're gone? Yeah, I don't I don't know. But what, whatever. That's <laughs> not the point. Point is, that happened... Um, and in the Riddick movie, the mud raptor or mud mud demons rather, they um, uh, they live underground until it rains, or they live in pools of water or in caves or something until it rains, and then they come to the surface. And in that movie, it's not really about those critters, but they're there, and it's a threat, looming threat, and everybody's trying to get off this world, you know, fast, and having to get power cells and run across the landscape in the dark. You know, to go power up the ship to get off the world, just like they did in Pitch Black. So it was kind of like a return to Pitch Black. I don't know if it's because people didn't like Chronicles of Riddick as much. I felt like that one was pretty well received, though. Yeah, I remember that being the case. Like, they enjoyed that a lot. And I, when I went to go see um, Riddick in the theater, the expectations, I want to say, um, there was not big press leading up to it just like hey it's riddick's back i'm like okay they're gonna continue the necromonger thing because there's a lot of questions that all of that raised uh and it just 
redid Pitch Black instead, and it 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 did a serviceable job. It's an enjoyable film, but it didn't. It just sort of like severed the loose ends, and that wasn't even in the theatrical release. They decided to put all this very important information only in the director's cut uh, and in like a TV or no a, a motion comic. I think it was a motion comic yeah. that was. Uh, available on the website that you could go take a look at that was based on the storyboards. And what Dave's referring to is there's a whole segment of the Riddick movie wherein it starts out with Riddick as the Lord Marshal of the Necromongers and he is being hunted by assassins and he has not taken this vow of, of their faith and everybody is upset about it. That is why they are coming for him. And... He is just sick and tired of, of having everybody trying to kill him all the time. And so he's like, what can I do to fix this? Hey, Carl Urban, you know, do you want to be the Lord Marshal? How about you be the Lord Marshal and you just drop me off on Furia? That's all I want. But then instead of dropping him off on Furia, they drop him off on some random planet and try to kill him. And then he's left for dead on this planet injured. And that's the beginning of the movie. I think you just see in the theatrical release Riddick being dumped off on this planet by the Necromongers and then left for dead and then that's it. And then it, the movie starts there rather than with the explanation of how you got to that point when he was supposedly the Lord Marshal, you know. So, But it's it's kind of interesting because they have Vin Diesel and David Toohey just love the Riddick character so much that they have tried to make TV series based on the Mercs, based on Kira, based on any number of other things. Um, they have, you know, pitched these ideas for the sci-fi channel, have been turned down, uh, or it just hasn't panned out for one or another reason. They love this. They managed to get enough steam together to do... Um, Chronicles of Riddick in 2004 so that means that that project started pretty close after Pitch Black was released in 2000 um, but then Riddick didn't come out until 2013 they did have the Escape from Butcher Bay video game in 2004 and then they had um, Assault on Dark Athena video game come out in 2009 I believe Yeah. and so they did have other Riddick stuff come out in the interim between those things there were the the motion comics that were released were only released on the websites as kind of like teaser trailers or interactive video games there was a flash point and point and click flash video game the hunt for riddick leading up to um the chronicles of riddick and things like that just to kind of like give you more insight there was another one called um Pitch Black, Slam City or something yeah. that was a prequel to Pitch Black that was on the website and available for folks. So, I mean, like, they've been working on expanding the world and adding other things and, you know, even trying to pitch stuff that is in the Riddick universe, but actually not with Riddick in it. Like, they wanted to do, you know, the TV series with the Mercs or the TV series with Kira and just Vin Diesel himself is the driving factor behind the interest in this series. So if you take Riddick out of the Riddick verse, you know, there's not a whole lot of skeleton left there. The Mercs, like there's, there's not like a workable economy of the cosmos or an overarching, you know, um, government 
that you know has any kind of enforceable stuff all you you basically get the idea that there's some planets with civilians there's a bunch of planets that are uninhabitable or have dangerous stuff on them and then there's a bunch of prison planets. They just take planets and say, hey, this is a shitty place. Let's put a giant prison here. And then everybody's in prison. And like that's that's where the fun of the game is, isn't the prison. You it's, know, the yeah. game or the movie or the whatever. And the the, the prisons are basically like uh, forced labor camps and mining operations. And those are driving the economy i guess of, of the the interstellar economy we we don't it doesn't really flesh any of it out we get a lot of um really fun uh production artworks of things that like didn't make it into the games like there's a there's a prison that's on wheels i want to Which see we both want to the, see the that. mobile prison that mm-hmm. that idea sounds fun um, they didn't go with that, probably because of budgets and time and however it would take to make that work you know, in, in the game. Um, and they also, you're, you're, you're playing as Riddick in the games, and his his big thing is basically stealth. I mean, he's good at killing things, and he's good at hiding. They let you do that to a degree but both games sort of devolve into shoot mans and you're just here's your you know a bunch of ammo and a big gun um have at it like okay but that's doesn't really feel very riddicky yeah there's mechs mech suits and there's droids and stuff like that there are uh alien critters and mutated humans in the video games but they're kind of like a smaller portion of it the more interesting enemy from the video games would be the ghost drone which is a human you know a human body that has been augmented with a bunch of cybernetic stuff and then eventually during this process they die and are turned into basically meat puppets with cybernetic attachments that are driven around by uh the guards at like drone you know headquarters control room things and you actually in the game get to control drones from the drone headquarters and that's a very fun part uh those enemies are interesting and compelling because it's body horror right i mean like that's a good direction to go in for creepy riddick stuff but like it's in there and then it's not brought up again unfortunately because that would have been a very interesting and compelling you know kind of situation to get in they also have like an ai mode but they're they're not humans anymore they're just drones so they have like an ai um programmed into them and the this prison just get, sounds like it's bleeding money right right well that's actually on a merc ship from the second game dark athena where they have those guys and they actually are um harvesting people from um, a world that you end up having to yeah, go it's like to. A col- they're taking the colonists away. Yeah, they're taking the colonists. And, and it's like every every single, you know, every single civilian in this universe is either being killed by necromongers or killed by the planet that they're living on or they're being harvested by mercs to turn into meat puppets. It's bad. And then everybody's in jail. And then, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the economy's utterly broken. Everyone's being exploited. Um really Riddick is like the least scary I mean, he just wants to be left alone so if you don't go after him you're safe 
um, aside from everything else that's trying to exploit and or kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's like of everything in this universe. Okay, if we're talking about what's a monster in Riddick verse, it's not Riddick. It's usually like these other, you know, corrupted, you know, mercs or wardens, wardens or you know, whatever. It's usually some kind of humanoid. Yeah, there's dangers in the critters, you know, like the bioraptors and the mud demons and whatever, the hellhounds and stuff that are in these um, different places. But, like, those are all animals and you are on their world. Or in the case of hellhounds, they were, you know... Uh, so like imported there imported there by the guards to control the prisoners or something and they're just doing what is in their nature to do you know uh that i it it doesn't feel like if the any of the movies or games or anything are blaming those critters for being themselves like very often riddick is like you know friends with them he befriends them he he, there's lots of ridiculous parts with Riddick befriending yeah. these, these guys. He, he befriends them. All the monsters also have eye shine. Um, and he, he keeps making it a point to say that his animals, the primal animal side is what makes him, like, that. that's when he's at his best. It's when he's civilized and, like, all these corrupted humans, then he's downgraded. Uh, in, in the, um, not dark in the escape from butcher bay uh he's he's first sees the the weird burrowing aliens and he just she's like beautiful yeah that, that made me laugh so hard <laughs> but i mean the whole point the whole point of riddick's character is it's people that are really you know the thing that's that's scary and it has this kind of like the epic of Gilgamesh kind of feel to it because he's like Enkidu who is the wild man in the epic of Gilgamesh and you know when he is civilized that is that is his downfall and that's basically what he says in the part that they cut out of the Riddick movie that you can see in one of the motion comics and then also in the director's cut of the film where he's got the whole necromonger thing he's like you know, the the reason why all this stuff happened is because I let myself get civilized. It's time to go back to the animal side and whatever. And then that's that's his whole theme there is I need to get away from these people. I can't stand people. They are terrible. And really, uh, that's verifiable that I think people are the real monsters here. <laughs> I would also like to posit that uh, Riddick is a reverse Samson, and the less hair he has, the more powerful he is. <laughs> that is an excellent point. That is a very good point. He he makes a point of shaving his head uh, in moments where he needs to, like, button down and be tough. Go and, into predator mode. Yes. And that's because he has no wind resistance in that form. He can be very sleek and agile and not have You're all right, of that hair speed. in the way. <laughs> He has goggles. He's set. Yeah. So. The goggles are excellent, by the way. They are excellent. I have like a 3D printed version of them for cosplay. So because I look like Vin Diesel. No, I don't. But that's okay. I can be like the Kira Vin Diesel crossover. If like, you know, basically if Kira got buff and stole Riddick's goggles. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you that eye shine. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> 
No, please uh, don't. I live in Texas. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Well, you have the goggles. You're fine. <laughs> I do have the goggles. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So, like, with that being... So, the other main character, kind of, uh, is Kira. Who or, Jack. Ma- or Jack. Who makes it through 1.5 um, movies. Well, if you add the little bridging Aeon Flux one. Oh, there, yes. 2.5. So, <laughs> yes, 2.5 uh, iterations before she doesn't make it anymore. But um, her her character arc is very Ridikian. Like <laughs> Ridikian? <laughs> like that. <laughs> she, she, she starts out as a... Um, uh, youth, um, kind of preteen, and uh, in the Pitch Black movie, uh, she's masquerading as a boy to um, not be picked on uh, in her in the transit. She's in a, a colony ship. Although in the novelization, her name is Audrey, and she is not covering up that she is a female at all. That was a plot point only in the movie. They decided. Hey, it'd be cool if she was posing to be, you know, like a a guy, presenting as a guy, and then have her period, and then her blood makes all the monsters come after them, because woman! And I don't know that I I think that that's any better than just letting her be a little girl. No, it's not, because they're calling that out as like, oh, that's a weakness. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like, they they make that into a, a kind of a weakness kind of a situation, but... Well... The, the the entirety so far of the the Riddick verse, um, it seems like, for the most part, being a woman is a weakness because they keep dying. Yeah, they die a lot. The I mean, everyone that, dies, but well, um, Doll doesn't die in Riddick, the lesbian. That they made a point to say that she's a lesbian, although everybody has to try to mess with her. Yeah, that's true. She doesn't <laughs> die, and then um, Imam's daughter. True. Wives. Yes. Correct. And wife. Yes. And wife. Okay. So not everyone dies. Just the ones that were potential love interests for Riddick. Love interests or anybody who's close. Like yeah. Jack. Jack was more of a little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. They're and, close to him and that's. Well, and then also, um, th- I think that they made Jack, uh, made Audrey turn into Jack uh, for Pitch Black in part because Riddick knows from the beginning that this character is a female in the beginning says cute kid and always speaks in neutral terms about jack but you know then says you know oh she's bleeding and then they all look at the, the carolyn fry the captain and then he says no not her her and points to jack and you know that's when they all find out oh snap jack is a girl because Riddick knew all along. So yes. That's one of the things um, about Riddick that they keep as a consistent thing that they expounded upon in the kind of intro thing um, into Pitch Black that was on the Sci-Fi channel. It's about 44 minutes long. Directed by somebody who wasn't David Toohey. Had David Toohey's input, but totally different style. <laughs> has has cybernetic implants and stuff on some of the mercs that doesn't come back. Like, you never see that again. None of the mercs have cybernetic implants, but they do in this this intro thing. Anyway, um, 
in that there was a psychological evaluation of Riddick. And as part of that, you know, when the doctor is like, here, I want you to draw to the best of your ability, you know, your earliest memory or something. And then he draws a detailed map of the prison cell with an escape route. And then eventually, you know, over the course of the time that he's in there, eventually the guards screw up and Riddick kills everybody and then escapes on that route. And then some other drawing that he did for some other session was of the globally, you know, corpses that he left at that time, like when he escapes. So it's like, you know, they even say, oh, well, you know, his psychological stuff may even be paranormal, you know, spooky. And he can can smell your pheromones and know about your mood. Yeah, he can (laughs) he can do all kinds of stuff. And that's that all kind of links into what they eventually turned into with Fury. And they they decided instead of him just being a an unexplainable human, they're just going to turn him into an elder race human that is just super magical. Um, and he's magical because he's an elder race. And he's the only one left. He's very Superman-ish. Although he's not because the Purifier was. Yeah. Also. Briefly until he's pr- I mean, he's, went he's, out to he's walk the embodiment the of the rage of the Furians. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Desiree and John, what do you guys think about um, kind of like the way the, the monsters of all types are presented in the series, the franchise overall. So I definitely do agree that the general premise ultimately is that humans or any iteration or evolution of humans are for sure the real monsters. All the other critters and things that are encountered behave in animalistic, predictable kind of ways, not necessarily doing harm or anything like that other than out of an instinctual reaction or a self-defense mechanism. Um, I do always have to go to the does the dog die to look up any movie I'm going to see. And so I knew, you know, preparing going into the third one, there would be dog-like critters And that one of them was going to die after befriending Riddick. Um, And that was not, you know, the the best moment of the movie, for sure. It's not the worst way that that's ever been portrayed on screen. It wasn't super pull at your heartstrings. Guy I'm Legend or something like that. Yeah. That was horrible. It wasn't nearly as bad as some other iterations, but definitely that dog was put there you know, to make people feel something about a critter well, rather a, than just it, monsters for monsters' sake. It's an opportunity into Riddick's, like, softer side, right? To yeah. display that. And to display that connection of he identifies more with the the beast's uh, side of things than he does with the other. Certainly posturing necromonger polit- political, you know, uh, people that he's he's in the in, involved in that that kingdom with you know right humans have all these machinations and ideas on grandeur and yeah he's not interested in that and riddick isn't into that but he's also has more humanity than animals they're just ripping each other apart for no reason necessarily but he's kind of on that connects with hyenas not raptors yes i guess for Mm -hmm. sure but he understands the raptors right yeah absolutely. he hears where they're coming from 
he can appreciate their their artness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Well, right, and, exactly. And so one of the things that's kind of either super grown or super endearing, maybe both about Riddick, probably both. Uh, is that the series overall likes its one-liners, especially Riddick's one-liners. And like in Butcher Bay and Dark Athena, the two video games, they do a lot of back and forth with Johnson Riddick. Um, basically, either if they are not lifting lines directly from Pitch Black, they are doing similar bits that sound like they could have been in Pitch Black and maybe got cut from the script. Um, because they, they are just on the same cadence, on the same everything. Um, but Riddick always gets some of the, the cheesiest, like, facepalm, you know it's coming, it's Riddick, you know, like, at the end of Dark Athena, he ends up beating the, the Merc, uh, in charge of the Dark Athena, which is this gigantic ship, and throws her down a shaft, and then... This little girl who he had rescued, uh, who her age kind of vacillates between being, you know, smart enough to do stuff and help Riddick and then sometimes being plot dumb. Uh, so you don't really know how old she actually is, uh, is like, is she going to come back? Okay, come on, kid. Nobody, no child would ask that if she just got cast down like a bottomless, you know, Shaft, but anyway, then Riddick. <laughs> to be fair, Riddick had <laughs> stuck a knife right through her neck, the mer- the mercenary queen, earlier in another boss fight, and then she came back from that. Yes, but that was a like they couldn't see the bottom of that shaft. They could. Well, anyway, you want to you want to say his line? No, it's okay. You no no, no 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 you you have the deeper voice. You have to do it. I had to whisper it to him. You had to whisper it to me because okay. it was so bad I, I erased it from my mind. Um, when I say goodbye, it's forever. Yes. And so he has some of the worst lines. I think probably the worst delivery, and this is just like the, the laughter, laugh track, cue laugh track for me, is from Pitch Black when Fry, uh, the captain ends up being in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets stabbed by one of the bioraptors and sucked into the void of darkness to be eaten alive. And then Riddick goes, not for me. And like he says it kind of like that. And it was like, all of the rest of your portrayal of this character was fine, but that was, what was that? What was that? That was just, they could have dubbed it over is all I'm saying. It was bad. There was yeah. There's a lot going on, even with the with the novelization in particular for Pitch Black. There's a um the the that part right before then is the final showdown where he has to face off against a circle of the um, Bio Raptors, and he's afraid and that he thinks he might die, but his mind opens up to the cosmos and he sees the face of God, and he just <laughs> yeah, goes on this just... mo- mental monologue. And he like blows his own mind. It's it <laughs> it's is the lot. most ridiculous, over, ah, ridiculous, yes, overly written purple prose passage. Frank uh, Loria had a moment he, in that book. <laughs> he, he had one good paragraph in him, and 
<laughs> this was it, and he had saved all of his energy to write this one thing, and he probably just dropped his probably pen afterwards. Existed in his master's yeah. thesis yeah. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like in in also in the novelization, um, Fry actually sacrifices herself by actively jumping in front of a bioraptor to save Riddick because she sees that he is scared, and that's what snaps him out of it. And in the movie, he doesn't come across as necessarily being scared at all. He's just kind of there and just like, I don't know, whatever. And then she just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and happens to die. And then he's like, not for me. And it doesn't really make sense because, you know, like she came back for him, but she wasn't particularly trying to save his life, you know. But uh, I mean, just trying to get him to go on the ship is all, you know, not necessarily like, hey, I'm gonna jump in front of this bioraptor for you and save your life that way. Yeah. But she had to have her completion of her redemption arc, however, because she was going to dump all the passengers prior to that at the very beginning of the movie, and she was working the rest of the movie to try to make up for that sin. And then Riddick was just going to leave everyone behind on a planet. Yeah. And he was like, well, maybe I'm a person. He got too civilized. Uh And the other monster we didn't uh, mention isn't really a monster, but I guess it's a critter. But the uh the the weird, adorable glowing bugs that they use as their lantern to to, to Yeah, the glow worms. Light, yeah. Yeah. It's like there they, are enough light to scare the bioraptors. Yeah, I don't even know how that works out because I'm sorry, stuff that has bioluminescence is not that bright. No. It's not like even if you have a jar of like forty of them. No, it doesn't it does not gonna <laughs> like little fireflies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely lots more they could have done with world building, not that they necessarily need to explain every single evolutionary tract, but it did seem in some moments that, like, you know, you mentioned with the bioraptors, well, they're critters that live in darkness all the time and now suddenly because of this eclipse they're above ground and why yeah so benefited from a little bit more world building and explanation of some of the critters rather than just "ooh, this looks scary let's smack it or shoot it and that is i quote from the riddick wiki it is unknown why or how a light-sensitive species evolved on a planet in a trinary star system with virtually constant and planet-wide illumination. And they actually, this is very cute, they decided to try to give it a reason because there is no reason in the film. It is possible that they were an invasive species brought to the planet by mistake or as a bioweapon. Perhaps the planet is home to massive planet-spanning cave systems or burrows, which would explain their sensitivity to light. That doesn't explain anything, actually, but that's okay, Riddick Wiki. We believe you. (laughs) They are cool looking, and that's kind of as far as you need to go with analyzing the Bioraptors. I do, I was thinking about this um, while you were talking, Desiree, but perhaps the reason why there isn't so much of the universe building uh, is because Riddick doesn't want any part of any of it, so... How are you going to explain that if your main character doesn't want to do anything with anything in the universe? He wants to just go off by himself somewhere and be left alone. Like, how he doesn't care about it. 
He has no interest in it. It's only when it comes to him like it did in Chronicles of Riddick and he just got caught up in this whole big giant universe ending thing and he's just like, yo, you guys just won't leave me the hell alone. Just leave me alone. I just want to be left alone. Can you go away, please, Mr. Leaf Man? I am trying to sleep. So the the only counterpoint there could potentially be they could use his desire for isolation as the mechanism for him trying to do a, some research to say, where can I go to be left the most alone? <laughs> and that could be an opportunity to kind of sneak in a little bit of that world building to figure out some of the why. Not necessarily required, but could be a potential way to sneak that in. Yeah, I mean, he definitely keeps finding uninhabited planets and just gets intruded upon repeatedly. No matter what. Yeah. <laughs> Ice planet? Nope, they'll find you. He'll find you there. Like, what? That's... You have an entire planet. There's only, like, maybe some critters on there and one dude in a cave. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, how do you, like, I don't know what the the mercs are using to track things. The Hunt for Riddick game that was on the site, the point-and-click flash game, told you about how they oh. found him. Remember? Because he died. The, the guy who found Riddick on the ice planet was killed because he took his money and ran like a merc. He, yes. And so Riddick killed him, even though Riddick was going to spare him, and if he would just not tell anybody and go away. He was living inside of a big creature, by the way. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. And all of his weapons were made out of critter bits. And you could you could click on them and look at the intricate designs he made by hand. And also see, like, the stuff that he wrote that were, like, the herding patterns or the migra migratory patterns of the Urzo, which were, like, some kind of critter on the planet that lived there, that that's how he ate. Yeah. So, and he stayed warm because he was living inside this critter. And had a big Jonah's whale, big cloak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Riddick was playing a lot of Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what it looks like each time. Yep. That's what he does with um, uh, in in the Riddick film when he raises uh, his little jackal pup, and then they use the um the very strong poison of the mud demons uh, to like inoculate themselves against it because it's almost a with a big demon, it's a one-hit kill. You just die. But with the little ones, it only knocks you out for a few hours. And um, that 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 he, like, takes the little stinger and makes a, a spear. and you know, He's using the parts of stuff as weapons. And as, like, um, subsistence. Yep. So, yes. He's Riddick the Monster Hunter. Use every part of the worm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So I think that pretty much kind of sums up like the the concept of Riddick, Riddick as a character, and kind of the the races. The, there is a whole big thing if you want to read it on the Riddick wiki about the entire history of the Necromongers, all the different eras. It's there. You can read it. That's probably the most I've ever seen of like Riddick backstory and then it's funny because it's only for like one movie and then they're and it's the one that no one cares about <laughs> no one cares about the necromongers they're boring they're boring but, but they like make the underverse what's the underverse didn't explain that did you no they didn't <laughs> it's a place where everyone goes to die and also it's a heaven 
Because you get to the under- underverse and it's a paradise for the dead. Aren't they both dead and alive somehow? They're like, yeah, they're, they're they're you're half dead if you've been there and come back and you get powers, and then I guess you're full dead if you just go there and don't come back. Yeah, something like that. I mean, like I think the the thing that I was reading on the wiki about the necromongers is that their faith, their belief, their religious belief is that life is antagonistic to the order of the universe, and so they seek to destroy life because life is the problem. They're not wrong. As long as things are alive, they're going to eat each other and destroy each other. That's just how life works. Yeah, they're just super feeding on that by destroying entire planets. But they're really freeing them to send them to paradise. So So it's kind of like religious Borg. I don't even know. Yeah. But you're not even... Also very... Oh, go ahead, Dave. No, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Also very much the, like, Mass Effect Reapers. There can't be order and chaos. It's very binary. Organic versus machines. And machines must triumph and provide the order. Because organic chaos cannot be allowed. Because it will ultimately destroy itself. Yeah, I mean, it's on that same kind of wavelength. Um, I was going to say that the um, the necromonger faith, you're like, you're indoctrinated into it through a, a device that injects necromonger juice, juice I don't know. or something into <laughs> We don't you. know what happens, um, but you get weird and marks. It, and it, yeah, you get weird marks in your neck, and then it, it maybe sublimates your personality. You You lose... Some of what was making you human, but over time, maybe that weakens because there's, uh, the, 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 the recent converts are just kind of zombie-like and then higher ups that have been necromongers longer start to get like their own will back. And that will always, it isn't all necessarily always toward the main goals of getting to the, the, the underverse, or maybe they just don't agree with the current Lord Marshal. On the best method to do yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of um, necromonger politicking that didn't. It kind of showed up in the movie, but in the novelization, it's talked about a little, little bit more. Where the the current Lord Marshal, he's an outlier, and um, he, I think he just killed the previous Lord Marshal because you you keep what you kill in the necromonger code, and which is why Riddick ends up becoming the Lord Marshal because he, he killed the previous one. Despite not actually being a necromonger. So it's a little weird, but okay. <laughs> well, that's exactly why everybody wants to kill uh, yeah. him and he why he gets he dumped on a planet. The, uh, yeah. The oath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I think that um, aside from we won't cover it because it's not out yet, but um, uh, sometime soon there will be Furia, the movie. And we will maybe, maybe it'll shed some light on things or it'll just retcon everything again. And we'll, we'll find out the new truth about Riddick, uh, next year or the year after. Yeah. Vin Diesel had said, um, that Furia is perhaps closer than you think. And this was like last fall. So just a few months ago. So, you know, it may be in production or something. He had, he and David Tui had the script in hand. Before that, but COVID happened because it was 2019 when they got the script all ironed out. Um, but then COVID, so now they're talking about it. So we'll see when that yeah. comes out. 
It's either in production or in production hell, so yeah. we'll find we'll, out. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out one way or the other what's going on. But um, what's interesting to me is that it's not just Vin Diesel and David Tui's love child. They get other people in on the Riddick project, and then those people are really into it, and they just want to, you know, see Riddick go. And, like, they will reprise their roles, they will do whatever, they come back for stuff, they will do their voices. Like, they get all the original voices for all the, the different characters in the games and the little animated things and stuff like that. And um, some of the people who made the uh, original... Butcher Bay game and Dark Athena game ended up making this mobile game, the Merc Merc Files, I think it was yeah, called. Merc Files. Merc Files. Um, that was a mobile game that was out for a little while where you play Riddick and you can, you know, do all of the Riddick stuff, stealth, you know, stealthy stuff and killing peoples and such. Um, anyway, so that game was a labor of love by people who had previously worked on the other Riddick games who formed their own studio to make this thing. So it's like. You know, the people who work on this really, really are into it. So it's interesting, though, because one thing I did want to mention is that the Riddick franchise doesn't really age very well. Uh, going back and watching it and seeing some of the misogynistic commentary and stuff like Riddick himself doesn't usually say anything, you know, necessarily weird or untoward. He's usually OK towards women unless they're, you know, um people who are actively being terrible to him but uh everybody else he does though, creep in the shower a bit oh yeah he creeps around a lot like he creeped on fry in the first movie and was like cut off some of her hair and i think he's just i don't even know he's just the thing is is he's that he doesn't end up doing anything with anybody it's kind of like more of a curiosity i think like he's just watching people i don't know he he watches everybody he doesn't necessarily creep on everybody, so I mean, yeah, he does have. Yeah, some just, right. Just I think ladies, it also so. just that Batman stuff. Kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like everybody else is very particularly bad, you know, uh, towards women and you know abusive and like definitely there was a sex slave on the Riddick, you know, on one of the Merc ships in the Riddick movie, and it was the bad Merc ship. And all of those mercs died except for the one very nice man who was, you know, faith in Jesus Christ saved his life. Um, but everybody else died because they were terrible and they needed to die. And Riddick made sure that they died. So. Yeah. But yeah, they they add some stuff like that that's in there that makes for a rougher, um, you know, watch through slash play through. The game also had a lot of that going on too. The, yeah, the dialogue in the game, uh, as far as like prisoners and the guards anybody that wasn't riddick um was pretty misogynistic it's just gratingly so where i had like i just don't really want to hear this running dialogue in the background because you know riddick's just sneaking around and you can hear people's you're eavesdropping on their conversations and they're usually like terrible conversations and terrible people and I mean, I guess the whole point of that is to make it like, okay, well, you definitely want them to die, you know, and they, they are people that you kill, yeah. all of them, but still, that that's that's still a lot to sit there and listen to, you know? Well, it's like you're making, you're making humanity the monster, but in such a way that, like, nothing is identifiable, aside from, you're, you're really not even identifying with Riddick, to be honest, um, he's just doing his thing. 
but everyone else is just terrible people for the most part, and the few people that aren't get killed really quickly. Usually Riddick's trying to save them and fails. Yeah. And then he hates everybody even more because he can't save any of them. <laughs> yep. Not for me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, well, Desiree, first, what are your, like, thoughts on the series as a whole, like, moving forward? What, what, if you watch Furio, what are your hopes for it? I, I mean, I will watch pretty much anything. So I will definitely check it out if it comes out. Um, in terms of hopes for it, I like world building. I'd like to see a bit more of that. But also, you know, as long as, like you mentioned, maybe they cut back a little bit on the misogyny and sort of update the tone, that would be great. Um Definitely less dog murder would be fantastic for me, but I would be fine with, you know, if they continue to reiterate and do something brand new with this, that would be exciting if they want to sort of pick up where they left off and continue and tell us more about the necromongers and more about the mythology and overall world. I might like that a little bit more just because I like that type of world building and getting to learn about cultures and things like that and how about you john uh yeah i'd I'd like to see more done with the the necromonger stuff like in terms of like everybody seems to be afraid of what they do when they come to planets they have this reputation that precedes them but, but like and the you know the lord marshall the previous one was was this you know larger than life magical man who could you know run around like the flash and do all kinds of superpowered garbage but like apart from he wants things that are bad and riddick is not bad and wants to do good stuff <laughs> like he you know obviously there's the promise of finding his planet and what that means and if any others of his own kind are still alive uh or the possibility of of starting anew there I think that that shows obviously that idea is um, fruitful and and would be a good place, good direction to take the series. But like, I don't know if Carl Urban's character Vakos would 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 uh, uh, you know posit as a good like uh, counterbalance to him now that he's in control of the Necromongers or what that would what that would mean going forward for some big you know scale planetary conflict. I don't know. I'd like to see some some of those ideas um, massaged out a little bit, a little bit better in the next one. Yeah, that that would be interesting. The um, the Vako character himself was of the Necromongers the most reasonable one. Like his his plans made sense, and he took into consideration what was go like the larger game plan versus what the Lord Marshal was kind of ro rolling through with blinders on. Um, there was a little bit of Macbeth there, right? Like, yeah, he wasn't sure if he was going to betray the Lord Marshal, and then he got talked into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by so, his wife. Kinda... Yep. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And Jala, how about you? So I will say that I am kind of sad that the idea for a Kira series or mini series was 
nixed because we don't get to see Jack as Kira for very long. She doesn't get to do much of anything, and then she is necroized, and then she is killed, and that is the end of that, and we will never know any more about that. But, like, it would have been fun to see more of what she was doing when she was turning into Mini Riddick, because that's what she was trying her best to do the entire time. And that would have been a super fun thing to see. That is not something that ever got picked up, because as we talked about already, Riddick himself, uh, Vin Diesel, everything about this Riddick series is Diesel-powered, and without Diesel, you got nothing. So they cannot make anything without Riddick himself. Uh, anyway, when it comes to Furia, Vin Diesel has mentioned that this movie is supposed to give you more of an idea of where Riddick came from and all of that. Uh, so if this is like a Superman origin story where you get to see like his parents put him in the pod or whatever, like that is fine. I would be down for that. Um, but kind of like how you say, John, it would be very cool to see Riddick kind of start over again and find other people of his type and actually, you know, start a new life there. But I think that's that, that idea is super, super peaceful. And that's not how it will end up happening either way, even if that's the direction that they do go in. Um, the necromongers would come back and invade and try to kill him for some reason, or, you know, something else would happen. There would be a battle against more mercs coming for his bounty or something. Um, I don't know how that would actually pan out overall. I, d I don't know that he will ever find Furia. I don't, I don't know that the planet still exists, but if it does... Probably at the end of the movie, the planet will blow up because that is just kind of how the Riddick movies go. The whole franchise is like the man cannot get any peace ever, 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 ever. We, <laughs> we need the we need the continuing adventures of Riddick, right? He can't ride off into the sunset. They won't let him. No, <laughs> he can't have <laughs> his time at a beach with his little drink with an umbrella. That's not possible for Riddick. I mean, he'd have to have the goggles on the whole time. <laughs> Can't see anything on the beach. It's blinding. Some Riddick beach episode. Oh. <laughs> okay, so Dave, other than the Riddick beach episode, what would you like to see? Well, I would like to see whatever this fourth uh, power in the universe is. Um, barring that, I'm kind of done with the Necromongers. I think they said their piece and they're just piecing off to go find the underverse um, we don't get anything other than arion as far as the elementals are concerned and they're supposed to have um uh, it's a quintessence so the other aspects of elements arion is wind based i'd like to see the other magical powers that they've learned from um, plato and figure out what that is i just i want to see them do air math yeah and like, you know, quick air math and then like that's like their their somatic element for their spell, you know, or something, yes. and then just like shoot some shit out. That would be great. Anyway, yeah, but, that's it could be fun, you know, something <laughs> like that. But I, I feel like any the way this series goes, any time that they start diving into something, they they get scared of it and just they like to just show glimpses of things, so nothing's really fleshed out very much. And I don't know that if they tried to double down on that and start doing like lore and world building, uh, the movie would have to be really long or 
a part one, part two, like they did with Dune or something. And I just, I don't see that happening. Not with the track record of how long it takes them to get another, this is going to be old diesel soon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We don't need another Dune, please. Not another Dune. (laughs) Only if they bring back Sting. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, I think that that pretty much wraps us up for um, this episode. Uh, it was fun having you guys on uh, in Desiree's case again. And, um, uh, well, we will do this again for another franchise um, probably pretty soon. Um, but this will this will finish up uh, Riddick for us. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, Jalo, where can folks find you on the interwebs? They can listen to me when I sometimes appear on the Level Podcast. I've been very busy, so I haven't been on there as often, but I'm one of a series of rotating hosts, thelevelpodcast.com. Otherwise, for me personally, you can find me anywhere on the internet that I can be found at Jala Chan. J-A-L-A-C-H-A-N. And John and Desiree, if you have any social media or places people could contact you, what would those be? Uh, primarily, I'm at D-Nyans, D-N-E-Y-E-N-S, although I am pretty much a ghost on social media and never post anything exciting other than maybe some cat-related content. Um, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Tethilus, T-E-T-H-I-L-U-S. I pretty much retweet those same cat photos. <laughs> and sometimes that's what we need. Yes. You can find myself on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. That will be in the show notes and the podcast itself on Twitter as well. Mon underscore D monster for this and back episodes. You can take a look at monster deer dot monster. And I think that's us uh, saying goodbye folks for this whole time. And we will be back next week with something else. <laughs> no, because you see when I say goodbye, It's forever. Not for me!